Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. I have three guests on my podcast that are jointly connected on a research their project they're doing through North Central University in La Jolla, California. It's an LGBTQ-focused research. Um, I love these kind of projects because it helps us to do better when we know better. And all three of these individuals are joining me via Zoom. And our um, two are faculty at North Central University, and one is a PhD student. And so I'll let Dr. Mark White, who reached out to me, he's a member of the church, um, just talk about the research that he's doing. Um, and perhaps you could also then introduce the other two guests on the podcast. Certainly. Thank you. So we, we started talking the last year, and we, we called the... Pro- we call the project My Core Truths. And just to you know, kind of give you a little backstory, um, I didn't have the words for it when I was a missionary, but I remember in conversations with people, they saw the world a certain way. Uh, and, I, and I now call that a paradigm or a worldview. And I saw it a different way. And if we were able to just get on the same paradigm or worldview, then everything would make sense. And one of the things I've observed over the years as I've interacted with individuals who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and then leave is sometimes when that paradigm, when they leave the church, the paradigm that they have dramatically changes. And it's not just they kind of switch flavors of Christianity. Their whole paradigm is blown to pieces, whether there's a God or not, whether there's order in the universe. Um, I particularly see that among millennials who are leaving the church. Um, and so that you combine that with, you know, some kind of formative pieces over my life um, in high school, right before I served a mission. My best friend um, came out to me as gay. Uh, one of my missionary companions, who then became my roommate, um, came out as gay. And then as a marriage and family therapist, experiences over, over the years working with LGBTQ plus clients, I've seen them wrestle with how to stay in the church, how to reconcile those two paradigms in a sense. And so the, the origin of this project is to understand well, for current and former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in this first study, we, we are not focusing on transgender or non-binary. That's the study that's coming up. But just how they make sense of the plan of salvation, which is very challenging for, for many LGBTQ folks, um, revelation and authority. And so we're, we're wanting to understand exactly how they make sense of those things. For example, if I'm gay, how do I make sense of what I was in a premortal existence and what I'll be after this life? And so that that kind of notion of paradigms and what happens um, over time for people is is kind of the genesis of this. Plus, you know, my experiences personally and clinically um, dealing with LGBTQ individuals. So I started talking with um, Beth and. Then she knew Tyra. Um, I have some interest in the project. We got together and collaborated. 
and have launched the first wave of the survey with my core truce. And we just don't have the responses, the number of responses we desire. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's happening in the research world right now with COVID is people are just kind of spent. They're fatigued. They're not participating in research as often. I've, we've seen that across our university. I've seen that with some, I've had some conversation with folks who um, do panels research. You reach out to them and, and they'll get you a, a set of subjects and panels aren't participating. The panelists aren't participating as much. And so I think that's part of the issue, but part of it is just getting exposure because the the voices that we want captured um, are important and we just don't have enough of them. So that's why I reached out to you. You know, we've been using social media to recruit our contacts, but we just want more um, of our LGBTQ and then LGBTQ plus when you have the other the survey to participate and share their voices. And so we make sure their experience is captured. That is great, Dr. White. And I'll probably call you Mark for the rest of the podcast. We'll link listeners to, uh, to the My Core Truths um, survey so that you can go to it. But if someone's listening right now and just wants to know that web address, tell our listeners that web address right now. MyCoreTruths.org. That is memorable. That is something if I'm driving my car right now, which and needing to write something down, you don't need to write that down. MyCoreTruths.org. I can even spell those three words <laughs> all by myself. My wife and kids know that that is not one of my strengths. So that's great. Um, this is really needed, listeners. And I'm sensing a lot of people trying to do research to better understand this. And I'm sort of a researcher by profession, not in this space. But I think research just helps us understand the lived experience of others so that we can do better and um, appreciate what you're doing. Go ahead and introduce um, Dr. Beth Patrick, one of your faculty colleagues there, and, and Tyra Williams. So, Dr. Patrick, um, is we both teach in the Marriage and Family Therapy Program, and so I will let her tell her story and then... Um, Tyra Williams, Ms. Tyra Williams, is a doctoral student in the Marriage and Family Therapy Program. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, I don't. So, is this going live? No, like right now, it's not. We're just recording. Okay. It, so you're good. <laughs> well, I was. So everybody, I, if you hear a little baby noises, it's because there's a baby here with us as well. But um, so I'm uh, Tyra. If I just sort of stop and turn and mute um because it gets too loud that just means you can start and and introduce yourself and i'll come back as i as i'm able um yeah so hi everybody um thank you for taking the time to to listen in about our project um i as as mark said i am a faculty member at north central as well and he invited me in on this project i think mainly because um you know, he knows my that I identify within the community. I, I identify as lesbian, queer, and um, also have a a history with um, not the LDS Church, but um, with um, in more mainstream Christian church. And um, you know, went to I don't know if Mark knew this part, but my undergrad is is from a pretty conservative Christian university in Southern California, and um, so just you know have a 
long tradition in, in the church. And so, um, but I think more than that, he was really interested in, in my kind of in-group membership um, for, for the queer community. And um, so I've done a lot of learning from uh, this project in terms of um, the LDS uh, church and, and some of the beliefs. Um, and so I've, I've feel like there's been definitely a learning curve there for me, but um, most of what I have done in terms of just why this is important to me is, is part of my own process, of course, is coming to terms with my identity, um, with the history that I have. Um, it, it took a, you know, it took a long time. There was a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, internalized, what we now call internalized homophobia that I had to, to spend many years um, getting through. I, I experienced a lot of what I also now call um, trauma from the church and from, from some of the uh, spiritual leaders that I listened to, was mentored by. You know, of course, in I say that it's not necessarily an intentional uh, thing, but but those are some of the ways that I have had to come to 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 love and care and accept myself um, is to sort of have some of those frames. Um, and it's interesting, Mark. I don't think we've really ever talked about this, but even as you were talking about the people that you know who have left the church, although you were talking about the the, the Mormon Church um, that our millennials that, you know, all these different things that you mentioned, those like sort of checked all my boxes. <laughs> I'm definitely, you know, in my process, um, you know, found my way out of my church community, um, and have really questioned what I always thought I, I knew was true. And, and, and so, um, I think that, yeah, this this project is super close to my heart in, in those different ways. And and being able to, for me, I don't, you know, you can ask lots of different questions, uh, Richard, as you as you hear things come up. But, uh, you know, for me, I was, um, uh, I had to, you know, it took me a long time. I felt like I really just needed to reject the church for a long time because I felt so rejected by the church, right? And, um and then there was, but there was also this pull to go back. And so I, I remember finding a, a really, you know, open and affirming church. Um, and in that going back, there was some sort of healing and openness to where I could then walk away from it by choice. Um, and so there was some, you know, for me, that, that, that process of still trying to reconcile the, the beliefs that I had and that I lived under and grew up under. Um, but then also knowing my, my new truths, the, the person that I knew myself to be in the communities that I cared about and loved and, um, and those, it was still so hard to reconcile those. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that's just a little bit of kind of my history, a little bit of why I'm interested in this project. And, um, and I appreciate the time to be able to talk about it a bit. So, Beth, Tyra, would you like to go now? Thank you, Beth, um, for just yeah. being honest with your story. Really appreciate it. On behalf of our listeners, just talking about your orientation, your journey with your church, the trauma, and just sort of finding your way forward. Um, it sounds like there's similarities between queer people in the LDS church and other Christian churches as they're just trying to reconcile 
um, being part of the community and and having feelings about their church. And it's a podcast we try to be supportive of everybody on their individual journeys and very affirmative. So um, thanks for being alive. Thanks for having this PhD degree, your your work. I assume you do some clinical work and some teaching work and Thank this you. research. And I just sense you're helping and blessing a lot of people. And sometimes the people that are a little wounded have sometimes an increased ability to help others because they sort of know these deserts of pain and trauma and difficulty and and then have clinical skills and can provide unique compassion and unique help. So thank you for who you are. and just sense you're helping a lot of people yeah thank you yeah and I could have mentioned that I too like I I, def, I do work primarily with um LGBTQ folks in clinical practice and tend to research in this area as well so yeah thank you Tyra you're a PhD student that's a big deal <laughs> yes, it is. And some days it seems bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> that is um, not a six month journey. That's a multiple year journey generally to get a PhD. So yeah, introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Tyra. Um, I've, I mean, I grew up in many religions. I think I've always had a way of bouncing around to different churches and I, I wanted to understand their views of point, like a point of view. And in 2005 is when I joined the Mormon church. So I'm a convert to the church. I grew up outside of it and joined. And then a year later in 2006, I was on my mission in California. Um, I went to Long Beach and I remember always trying to run from the attractions that I experienced. And I remember joining the church thinking like, this will heal me and I'll be better. Um, and for some reason it became a really, really big struggle. Um, even on my mission, I remember praying multiple times for it just to go away. Um, so I, I struggled a lot in my beginning years as a member, but I also knew I knew what I knew about the church deep in my heart and soul. And I didn't know how those two things would ever come together. Um, and so now, I mean, I, after I got home from a mission, I married, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to do the right thing. I got married in the temple. Um, and he was great. He was wonderful. We had a lot of fun. I mean, marriages come with their challenges and stuff, but I remember just, being able to laugh with my ex-husband quite a bit. Um, but even over the years of our marriage, it still lived inside of me. Like I was just like, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But then I was like, but I don't know what that means for me. Um, so if we fast forward to 2015, I remember telling my ex-husband that I just, this wasn't going to work anymore. I remember finally like pouring my heart out to him about what I needed to do and my next step and what that meant for our family um, because we have one daughter together. And so it, it was hard. We had to figure out what that meant for us and what it meant going forward. Um, we did eventually divorce and it was fine. And we do the best we can. We, we come together as co-parents. Um, and then I think in 2016, I really began to explore, um, what it meant to live my truths, who I was. Um, 
I think I'm more back where Dr. Patrick was mentioning in the throes of how do I reconcile my religion with my identity. Um, I still struggle, struggle with having words for my identity at this point. Um, but one of my greatest heartaches is that I am not currently active in the church. Um, what it comes down to is I don't know how to attend church and be me. I know there are many affirming members, but to sit and hear some of the doctrines sometimes at my core, I don't know how to reconcile it. And so one of my greatest pains and every day I look at it, it's like I miss being with my church community in my home. I think about my daughter and what does that mean for her? Um, so this project, I think, came at a really good time for me and fell into my lap as I um, started my PhD program. Um, I was like, it's time to get it going. I had been practicing in the field of marriage and family therapy and just therapy in general for two years. And it was time to get started on my PhD. And Dr. Patrick was the first professor that I had. And, you know, right out the gate, they're like, you need to start thinking about your dissertation. And I was like, isn't that like down the road? We got a long term. They're like, no, you need to start thinking about it. Um, and this was one of the projects I had put down uh, on my list of what I wanted to study. And it became personal because being in the throes of trying to reconcile my religious identity with my sexual minority identity is hard. Um, I've questioned everything from, am I worthy? I've wrestled with shame, trying to understand God and am I enough? Um, looking at my family, thinking about, do I get my family forever if this is who I am? And so Dr. Patrick told me, she goes, I think I got something for you, but she wanted to talk to Dr. White first. They talked for a bit and then um, I had Dr. Patrick again for class. So it just happened to work out that way. And for my second course, and she's like, we want to bring you in on this project. Um, and I was honored because I think there's so many voices that need to be heard. Um, and I'm not sure if it comes down to the courage to hear someone else speak about it first on a larger platform to say like, you're not alone. Um, there's a few podcasts that really inspired me to be like, it's time. Like you need to figure this out for yourself and, and be a voice for someone else and then let them be a voice and keep that, that going on. And that trend of like, we're in this together. Um, so this project means more than I probably have words to say for what it is for me. And I am grateful that I get to be a part of it. It was a dream, a pipe dream to be living it now. It's like, wow, I did it and I'm here. And so for those who are listening, I hope that they can participate in the research and just give a voice, a much needed voice um, for our fellow brothers and sisters. And for the ones who maybe are sitting at home, maybe like I was sitting in church and just struggling thinking like all these things inside and not knowing where they fit. I still don't know where I fit today but I know I more of who I am and I know I still miss my church community very much. It's a great segment, Tyra. Thanks for your courage to be honest and vulnerable and real. Um, you said, I wrote down a few phrases you said that really powerful. One in particular is really honest. I don't know how to attend church and be me. Um, that tells me you'd really love to participate in faith community. A lot of queer LGBT people do, but they just don't quite know how to do that. As I've listened to stories and, and be you the way I believe heavenly father made you and, and who you're meant to be and just navigating the complicated, 
complicated nature of that. Also recognize you've made great choices in your life. Um, you've been exploring religions. It sounds like your life. You joined the LDS Church, then bravely served a mission. That takes so much courage to do that, and wonder what that's like because you didn't grow up in the church. You haven't had twenty years of seminary like some of your companions, and but there you off. You went to Long Beach and served, and at the same time trying to reconcile your orientation. And you did sounds like the best you could, marrying a man and sort of doing that road and just recognizing at some point that wasn't going to work. And glad you're alive. I'm glad for your clinical work, your education. Um, it's really remarkable what you're accomplishing as a PhD student now working on your dissertation. I can't even spell that word, Tyra. That's a word that's... <laughs> no, I can't on my best days either. <laughs> that's a word that scared me, you know, my whole life. So, but I love that the three of you are together. I always thought research is better when you have people with multiple perspectives coming together to design the research methodology, the objectives, the structure of the research. And I love all three of your lived experiences to um, put together this research. So Dr. White, Mark, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I'd love to, you know, you could, you could go wherever you want to go on this or any of you, but I'd love to hear more about um, sometimes when people do research, at least in my world, they kind of have hypotheses. They're trying to, they're sort of some general assumptions that they feel and they're trying to analytically prove that. But other type of research is just trying to get direction and further understanding that light might lead to more research. So you could talk about that or anything you want to talk about. I'm so honored to work with Beth and Tyra. I just really respect their voice and their experience and perspective. It's so it's a real honor for me. Um, I think one of the things that we're, we're interested in and is just how the mental health and the quality of life for individuals, that's, that's part of what we're looking at as well, how they wrestle with those issues. And, you know, for example, our, some of our tentative findings, we, we put people roughly into three categories. They're either active in the church or plan to be in the future. They're in kind of a limbo right now. They're either not sure if they're coming back, they're on probation or disfellowshipped, or they're out, either excommunicated or had their name removed or wanted to have their name removed. So, you know, those are, they're not three perfect categories, but they're a decent way to group. And one of the, the kind of distressing things to me about those when we look at those three groups is internalized homophobia goes down as they exit the church. Quality of life goes up as they leave the church. Um, so there's a slight, those who are still active have a, a blip, you know, okay, quality of life, it goes down for the middle group. The middle group seems to be hurting the most. Um, they're, they have moderate level of internalized homophobia. They have the lowest quality of life, and they have um, medium mental mental health. Mental health goes up as people leave the church. And as someone who you know has a testimony of the gospel and 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 believes in the church, it's painful for me to see that. Um, and so you know we we talk sometimes. You know, there's this notion of many people have a shelf and they put things on the shelf they don't know how to make sense of. 
And that's, this is one of the issues I, I just have to put on the shelf. I don't, I don't know how to make sense of the toxicity for many of the culture um, who want to make it work, but the, their experience in church, like Tyra talked about is painful and their, their sense of what the future holds for them. You know, this, will they, um, will they maintain their sexual orientation? Will it change? Will they, are they better off dead if they think it'll change? I mean, if we, we have people saying that in some of the open-ended comments that they, they used to believe that. And so that is a key interest for me is how do we, how do we protect the quality of life and mental health for individuals who want to stay in the church? You know, I don't, I don't have an agenda. I really like the, the kind of mantra encircle and flourish that we take no sides except love. Um, the, you know, I support people, whatever path they choose, but if, if the path people choose is to stay in the church, how do we not make it toxic and painful for them? And I, I hope, you know, the more voices that we get about these issues, the more insights that we'll have. It's very, you know, I'm with you on the need for this. It's, I love your three groups. Just to recap listeners, I, I think you picked that up, but those that are it sounds like, of course, everybody needs to be LGBTQ in these three groups. Um, they're active in the church or plan to be. Um, they're in limbo. I like that term. They're not quite sure um, their future is um, or they're out. And I think from what you said, those that are the having the worst experience right now with their emotional health are those that are in limbo. Um, and that those that are out and have sort of moved on have are often doing better emotionally and those that have made it kind of work. I think you said there's some in that group that are doing okay, but probably with, you know, that's probably just, is that okay? Mark, what I summarized? Yes. Yes. That's, that's accurate. Tell our listeners more is this, if I I'm listening and I hope there's lots of LGBTQ people um, listening. I think you're listening. Just looking at the numbers. I think a lot of you are LGBTQ. Um, if they go to this website, is this going to be like qualitative research where it's interviews and kind of, or is it quantitative where it's, you know, just online stuff and it's, talk about the quantitative. And there talk- are some, there's some open-ended questions at the end of most banks of, of um, objective questions to just for commentary. And then we have a few open-ended questions, but um, it's purely something you do on your phone or on a computer. And, and I think, you know, we're estimating, I think we, and correct me if I'm wrong, Beth and Tyra, that it's about 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. And I think it seems like yeah, that's about how long it takes most people, because what we've found is that if people are actually willing to take this survey, they spend a lot of time writing in the open-ended um, responses, which, you know, I think was a surprise to, to us because that does take a lot more effort and energy, um, and time, but, but that is that the, the one qual- the qualitative pieces have been richer than I think we imagined based on people's willingness to, to take the extra probably 10 minutes to answer those. So listeners, 30 to 40 minutes, it's quantitative. So it's not like an open-ended interview. Um, some of the research is more open-ended interviews. Talk about confidentiality. If you've got closeted people that want to stay closeted, can they? So, 
like talk they don't about have that. To put any any identifying information in. Um, there is an incentive for participating, and at the end of the survey, they go to another link to put their information in to, to receive an incentive. But that's not linked in any way to the first survey, so it's completely anonymous. And I mean, to add on that, like I, if I remember correctly, Dr. Mark, we're not even the ones who are handling the incentive. That is that is associated with someone else. So once they click that link, that's someone else. And then they will, they handle that part. And that puts them even removed a step from us. Correct. Really working to protect them and let their voice be heard. How many completed surveys do you want? And do you want a, a number from each of these three groups or just a grand total? Just a grand total. We, I mean, to be aspirational, there's, there's a good data set out there from another study, the four options survey. They've got about 1,700 participants. Um, we have about 120. And so, you know, if we could, if we could get four to 500, I think we'd be grateful. We just want to have as many voices as possible. And so listeners, if you're LGBTQ um, and LDS, former LDS, or kind of in the middle, this is a, this would be helpful. Um, sometimes doing these surveys are therapeutic, even like you're in the open-ended questions, just to write your story sometimes can be helpful. And so once again, we'll share this in the link, but it's mycoretruthsplural.org. Talk about anywhere else you want to go um, with this podcast. Some of the questions that come to mind is, um, you know, to improve the, ex let's take a group of people the limbo group <laughs> or even the other group that hopes to stay, what could any thoughts on what we can do? There's potential doctrinal changes that could occur in the LDS church that are sort of outside of my control. So I usually don't get into that because I have no standing to influence that. I'm not, I don't know heavenly father's will and I'm not a leader. Um, but there's a lot of things potentially that could improve culturally with messaging and just, you know, just, Yes versus them. There's so much. The bar is kind of low off on them. What we can do to create better messages about LGBTQ people within our congregations. So I don't know if you want to talk about what you've already kind of concluded or, or your lived experiences. What we can do to improve, or some of the hypotheses in your mind or things you're hearing. And the reason I ask this question now, if there's just listeners that are parents or local church leaders that would want to read your research, but also would love your insights now on what they can do to improve the culture experience for LGBTQ out or not out in our congregations and families. I'd, I'd like to hear from Tara and Beth on that. Tara, I'll let you go for it. Yeah. I mean, being a PhD candidate, there's a lot of reading being done. Um, and it's specifically with sexual minorities. The one thing that I've seen, consistently across the research about a positive is community. Um, I think on my own personal experience, moving to where I did and starting over with my daughter and like picking up my life, I was still able to find church members who just had open arms, whether they agreed in their heart or disagreed with my life, I would not have been able to see from them because I think what they really emulated was Christ-like love. And they were just like, you're a person. We think you're cool. Like, come hang with us. Right. Um, and I remember being so like, are you sure? Like, where does this, 
is there a trick? Like, is this like, what, what do I need to do? And a lot of that has to do with my own like questioning inside. But when I could meet the members who were curious, like genuinely like wanted to know and understand me, um, I've been more likely to keep those relationships super close. I have a couple of families in my area that reach out to me regularly. Um, we will get our kids together and they will play. Um, they accept my partner and have no issues. And it, it makes for like whew, that, that community and support still means everything to me. It's the one tie I think I still have to the church right now. Um, and so if anything, like be open, like ask questions if you don't understand and just come in seeing that they're people too. They just want love and acceptance just as you do for probably many of your own struggles inside that no one may even know about. Right. And so that I think is one of the biggest things. If any church member can do anything is be open and be curious. You just like you such so nicely, Tyra, like summarized what we have on our website about some of the, some of the findings around this idea, right? Sort of this idea of empathy and demonstrating care and um, also like that invitation in what you just talked about, right? Sort of this invitation into um, community regardless of, and maybe because of rather than in spite of, it to be really appreciated for who who you are in, in a full sense. Those are some really important themes that we're seeing um, in, in the findings so far. And um, I think another theme that we're again preliminarily identifying is um, that that there's also the part of empathy that's maybe really valuable as well as is to recognize the pain that. Um, LGBT folks who either have at one point been members or still hoping to participate in the church in some way, that the pain that is experienced by being told you're wrong, there's something, you know, the core of you is flawed, um, that, 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 that ability to, to kind of have that seen by people is really important and really powerful in a healing way. So I think those would, those would be some of the things that um, I think our results are, are sharing, which again, you've just shared so well, Tyra, from you know, the experience that you've lived. Um, and I, I think from my own experience, again, not a part of the church. However, one of my formative mentors as an MFT, she, um, Dr. Stephanie Falk, shout out in case you're listening. Um, she is, uh, a member of the, of the church and she's probably the, the most kind, open, compassionate humans I've ever known. And part of my own process of, you know, uh, of not hating myself, we'll just put it as, as plainly as possible. Um, of actually really appreciating myself, loving all the parts of me really came because of a relationship with her. And, um, so I think that's powerful, right? A, a part of something Mark and I have talked about, and, and I don't know if this will come maybe the third iter iteration of the study, but another part of what we're interested in is what help, what helps members of the church who, who kind of maybe they secretly identify as allies to the community. Maybe they openly identify as allies, but what's their core truth 
right? And how how are they making sense of uh, of their beliefs and um, and their paradigm? Uh, and so that's you know I think to me those things connect because of my own experiences like what you've shared, Tara, with people who are a part of the church who are so loving and so open and so willing to to pull you in right to the embrace. So um, I think those are those seem to be what we we keep seeing and. Um, and hearing. And I would, those are great. Um, I would throw in a couple others that we see, and, and I've heard these same things in your podcast before, Richard. Um, one is to not equate and reduce sexual orientation to sex. They're t- tired of it all being about gay sex and, and people um, up in arms about that. Um, and one of our questions is if you had 30 minutes to sit down with the general authority, what would you tell them? And that's one of the comments. Uh, um, another that that we hear is that the gay lifestyle is to want to love somebody and have a family and be accepted. There's it's not some um, counterfeit lifestyle. Um, the, to not compare this to a, a single woman who's not going to get married in this life. Um, they're not the. They're not the same thing. There's that, and I've heard you talk about the shishu. The hope piece is is not there, and and they just want to have hope. But, you know, they can't in many contexts. They can't date and be affectionate and have a relationship like you know a, a, a heterosexual peer can. And I, I think labels. You know, there some people identify it as same sex attracted, a small proportion, because that's kind of the lingo in the church. But for other people, that's a, an offensive term. Um, and the, there's this is, uh, you know, we've asked people when did your sexual orientation begin, and and for many it was in the premortal existence. They believe, and so this isn't some. A mortal mistake or aberration. This is who they were supposed to be. It's really good. All three of you, it's really good. And I love just the synergy um, with all three of you working together. And I think of one of my favorite quotes from one of our church leaders, Elder Cook. He talks about unity and diversity are not opposites. We can achieve greater unity as we foster an atmosphere of inclusion and respect for diversity. And I think your three are modeling this. None of you are sort of compromising your orientation or your beliefs, but you're just coming together with a project to help the human family. And you're honoring and supporting each other where you are. I think it's beautiful. I think it's just terrific. I don't think there's an agenda here to move Tyra in a different place or Dr. Patrick in a different place, but you just see the beauty in all three of you and your life mission and your work and your and your clinical work and and coming together in this project. And there was some really, I love what Dr. Um, Patrick said about pain. And and um, there's just a lot of pain out there, listeners. Um, if you're LGBTQ and LDS, even in those, you know, in these three groups, I would guess there's pain in all three of those groups. You've talked about out, limbo, or active. There's just pain. And I think one of the things we can do, and I've shared this in other podcasts, is just honors people's pain. Um, be a safe person. They can open up and share that pain. Um, I think you can, I've learned, I sort of thought I had to dismiss the pain to support my church or my leaders or sort of say, well, they didn't really mean that or you're overthinking that. But I've just learned 
probably through clinical people in my life, just to sit with people in their pain and honor their story. And, and that doesn't compromise any of my personal beliefs, but often is very helpful for them. I love this phrase that you used, um, Beth, about pull you in. I think the imagery of pull you in, and I think of Tyra's friends that are your connection to the church and just the way you describe what they're doing. It's not very complicated, Tyra, what your LDS friends are doing. They love you and they love your partner and they love your child. I think you said a daughter. And they're not listeners in my mind selling out their beliefs or not standing up for truth. In fact, I think they're honoring their beliefs. They're honoring the teachings of Christ to love everybody in a very practical, pragmatic way and support you and and help you feel their love as you make your way forward. And I sort of like that as sort of non-agenda love, that we love each other just because they're worthy to be loved, not because our love is an agenda to pull them away one way or another. And trust people that they, as they feel love, that they will know their best way forward, and and we can just support them on their individual roads. Um. So this is really cool what you're doing, and I hope you get 1,700 responses, um, but at least five or 600. So listeners, please um, go, go take this survey. It would help um, to bring more understanding to the space, mycoretruths.org. Um, share this podcast um, or that link with others on your social media, whatever social media you're connected to. And I think when we know better, we do better. And um, these are often labors of love that the three of you are doing. There's not, <laughs> there's, well, my experience in the spaces you're in, there's not big paydays at the end of these type of projects. This is mostly a labor of love to bring more understanding and, and bring us together. So we could, if, I don't know if anybody has any more final thoughts, we could go a little longer. You could give skid final thoughts, whatever you want to do. I did want to make clear. So our, our first round of the project is, you know, technically LGBTQ. Um, That's true. And you did make it. Go ahead and reinforce the, that. The set of questions that are specific to trans and non-binary folks are different. And so that survey is coming in the next three, four weeks. We're almost finished revising that. So there'll be two links on the website going forward. Right now, there's just one. Take the survey. But they'll we'll differentiate those, take the LGBTQ survey or take the trans non-binary survey. Um, and and I, you know, depending on what happens after this, I, I want to just touch back on something Beth said that we are very interested in those folks like yourself who are allies. What motivates you? What how do you translate your faith and your core principles into action in this regard? And so that could be a, a third wave down the future. Um, I, I think another thing that I, I just wanted to mention is that, um, one of the things we're also interested in is, is how people, part of your core truths is what is the source of that truth. And we call it epistemology. How do you know what you know? And we ask some questions about, you know, who gets, who gets revelation for whom and who, who's the authority and is it all from God or is it inspired by men and who are your sources of truth? And one of the things that I, I think we are seeing in the data is that people are trusting what they feel from the spirit about their identity, about their relationship, about their path. And 
some are are still sticking to, you know, the brethren are the authority. They speak for God. Others saying, God has spoken to me, and I know it as much as I know about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, and that's my core truth. And that's something that I think a lot of people, I, I remember as a missionary, we were teaching a man, and he was pretty close to joining the church, and then he, he said, it just troubles me that there's always an intermediary between you and God in this church. It's, it's not just about you and God. It's about you and the prophet or you and the apostles. And I don't want anybody between me and God. And, and you know, we, I, I understand, you know, how God's will speaks through prophets and it's the voice of my servants or myself. It's the same. I, I understand those principles, but when people are wrestling with what their core truths are and how they get those confirmed, um, this, it's a challenge, you know, what, what comes to me from God versus from the brethren, from God to the brethren to me, is that the same thing? And so that's something that we're trying to understand as well, is just how people make sense of the source of their core truths, um, how, where the brethren fit into that, and will things change? You know, we, we ask the question, do you think there'll be future revelation about, you know, some of the the content of the proclamation of the family, for example, or about same-sex relationships or temples or the next life. And, you know, we're getting some people who think, yes, there will be changes. Others say it'll never change. Um, and so that's, and I don't know what thoughts, Tyra, Beth, you have about that, but that's, and also just of interest to us is, you know, the core, the source of those core truths and, What's in the constellation about those truths? Who is in the constellation about those truths? I I wish I could add, but that seems like it's still in the in the LDS wheelhouse that I'm just barely peeking into. But absolutely, like yeah, the just to learn about all people's like their how they're how they're coming to to their beliefs. It's just, that's what's exciting about, about this survey. So sometimes, you know, if you do choose to take it and some of the questions feel like, wait, I, you know, I wasn't, I was a member now I'm not, how, how can I make sense of some of these questions? And, and really we're just hoping that wherever, however you're currently making sense of them, that that's what comes through, that there's not some agenda of like confirming, you know, uh, oh yeah, great. This group believes all of the core tenants versus this other group. It's really about, um, really about learning kind of, yeah, how, how people are coming to their, to their knowledge, to their spirituality, to their relationship with, with God and others and themselves. Um, yeah. And I was going to say, you know, picking it back off of that, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Richard, of like, when we know better, we do better, right? And so the more people are able to share, like even what Dr. Mark, Dr. White was saying about how did you come to yours? Where is your relationship with God? How do people fit in? This survey gives an opportunity for us to present information to the world eventually is what happens to the LDS world and beyond. And even for Christians who wonder how LDS makes sense of the teachings and God and these things. Um, and I, I think it's the challenge of like what you're saying, Richard, we get to know more. So do we do more? Do we do better with the information that we have? And so these voices become a call um, to any member that's around who wants to understand how do we operate and how do we get there? And eventually like I'm, I'm pumped to think about the future and, and talking about 
allies and like, how did they get to where they get? When I think about um, LDS families coming together, I'm so curious even about them. Like when they're going out to pride with their child, who's come out and they're standing strong arm in arm together, like how did they get to that point inside themselves? And as a family, um, there's so much still for us to know. And I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on any of this information. I love the big questions you're talking about, Dr. White and the three of you. Um, those are important questions and I, I'm drawn to big questions these days and they're complicated questions. They bring paradoxes into my brain. They bring grayness into my brain. Um, but I'm at a point in my life where I'm grateful for these big questions that don't have simple answers and the needed research and the work that's being done. I sort of recognize that younger people are drawn to these bigger questions earlier. You know, I'm 60 and I think it's just the last five or 10 years I've been drawn to bigger questions. And so those are really good questions that I think are rooted in a spirit of wanting to understand and wanting to improve the experience and particularly for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And I love you're doing two research. I hope everybody got that. If you're trans or non-binary, you can still go to mycorthtruths.org and eventually There'll be a link to a survey for trans um, non-binary, because I rightly so, there's big difference there. So I love these questions, and I love um, that you're just asking them, and I think they're perfectly appropriate questions to ask, and I think they're good questions to talk about in our homes. We don't talk too much about these kind of questions in our congregations. Um, perhaps in our YSA wards, we are a little bit more, but I think they're appropriate questions just to talk about how to navigate personal revelation in the context of revelation for the whole church. And um, particularly if you're an LGBTQ person, the brethren, you know, obviously give revelation for the whole church. The inference there, it's for everybody. But at times, as listeners know, and as you three know, individual LGBTQ will get personal revelation that is different than the general church teachings. And so I don't have a way to reconcile that listeners. I just sit with, I just sit with it and honor everybody's individual decisions and leave any judgment up to our savior and his perfect understanding and recognize that's just the best way I can recognize listeners. And I support and sustain our leaders and support individual people as they make their path forward. And that's the way I've sort of managed that paradox. <laughs> I'm not sure managing is the right word, but just sort of living with that, the nuance of that space. But it's a space a lot of members that are allies are trying to navigate. And obviously, it's different if you're LGBTQ because it's your life. It's not just sort of a theoretical, so I got to deal with this paradox as an ally. Or if you're a parent of an LGBTQ kid, it becomes pretty real um, because you love somebody and you deeply care about them making the very best choices for they can. And some LDS parents come to the conclusion that their best their best path forward for their child perhaps is a path that's outside of the general teachings of the church. And that can be, and I, you know, when, if that is the reality of somebody that you know, I hope you just love that family and don't doubt their, their and don't sort of question doubt those parents if they feel that supporting their child on that road is the very best thing for that child. That family needs your love and support. And not sort of over the shoulder judging, are they really doing the right thing? Parents have, I think, um, special responsibility and added insight into to know the best path forward for their children and often can be very helpful and affirming. 
but everybody's past a little different. So I don't want to paint like a binary narrative there. But these are big questions you're all dealing with, and I'm drawn to them, and our listeners are, and I hope uh, many people engage in the survey. Any more concluding thoughts before we sign off? Just appreciate all that you do, Richard. Um, I really enjoy listening to your podcast and um, appreciate your genuine commitment to being an ally. Well, thanks, uh, Mark. It's, you know, this space has certainly sort of broken my heart, opened my heart, and I'm a better person because of all the LGBTQ people in my life, and they've taught me things about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, pro- you know, just quickly, for anybody who hasn't heard, you know, my, sort of my story, it's really the question is how to become an ally. It's the doctrine of Jesus Christ. So it's a doctrinal foundation in looking at the life of Christ and what he did and what he invited us to do. These timeless parables that I think were written for all of history, including our day, that teach us how to respond to people that are different than us and people that society said we shouldn't respond to in the way that Christ did. So that's a doc. So to me, I'm an ally because of the doctrinal foundation that's part of my faith um, that has drawn me into this space and has kept me in this space. And I felt at one point it was sort of, I was the good Samaritan trying to do some good here. But the truth is, listeners, LGBTQ people have sort of rescued me. They've taught me things about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about love, compassion, about trauma, about pain, about incredibly difficult situations that. I never learned from straight members. I don't want to diss on straight members, but, <laughs> and I don't want to be totally binary there, but it's, you know, that's, it's an honor to be an ally because of the personal growth and hopefully helping people along the way. We all need each other. Um, we're all, and I love one of the questions you asked about, you know, will people be, you know, gay in the next life and were they gay in the pre-earth life? And I think those are great questions. And I like research that helps people feel like they're on the same moral footing as straight people if you're LGBTQ. So I, I've always felt that if a LGBT person look in the mirror and just feel like this is the way they're created, that nothing went wrong, this is their plan, this is who they're meant to be, um, it puts them on the, it de-shames and puts them on the same moral footing as the rest of the human family, and it helps them make their way forward in a more thoughtful, spiritually-based way. That's just a feeling I've if you're being in this space. Anyway, enough about me, listeners. You hear me go off every now and then. It's better to hear from the guests. So anyway, Dr. Beth Patrick, I wish everybody could see you. Um, and, you know, you and Tyra, I wish people could see you. You're both just full of light and goodness. And I just sense you're doing so much to help people. And Dr. Mark White, thank you for what you're doing, your profession and leading I'm not say leading because you're so good about deferring to your coworkers here. You're very sensitive to that and very much of a team guy here. So, but I will just because you reached out to me, Mark. Is there anything you would like to say just in closing? I I don't have anything else. I don't know if Beth or Tyree do. This has just been a great opportunity. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for for letting us come and talk about our experiences and about our research. And and Mark is the leader of this project, so that's a good that's just fine um, in there. He is he's he's this is his 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 kind of original idea and hope. And um, so we're just champing it along with him because it matters. So thank you for this opportunity. I don't know if I have anything else to add, but 
I really do appreciate it. I think it's the beginning of something that's going to be really extraordinary one day. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. And for this opportunity to even share even part of my story tonight and, and I hope others can be inspired and, and, and find their way to the survey in some form. Definitely. That's great. So thank you and check out, please go to mycoretruths.org listeners. And um, thank you all for being on a podcast again. This is Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.